0: Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. Before we begin this episode, I want to thank Modern Fertility, an at-home hormone testing kit, for sponsoring this podcast and for offering all listeners $10 off their first order. Modern Fertility is the first comprehensive fertility hormone test for women that you can take at home. One in six couples have trouble conceiving. We have all the tools to prevent pregnancy. However, we need more information in order to help us plan for it, even if kids are far in the future. Proactive fertility hormone tests often are not covered by insurance and can cost upwards of $1,500. However, at just $159, Modern Fertility sends you a super easy at-home test, which you complete, send back to them, and then receive your results in under 10 days. This test gives you access to the information you need in order to help you plan ahead and navigate the world of fertility. Modern Fertility also creates a customized report in order to help you understand your fertility through your hormones. The test can tell you if you have more or less eggs than average, what you could expect from IVF or egg freezing, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, which 1 in 10 women have, and your general hormone health, which is a window into your broader health. You'll have a personal fertility team to help you understand your results and come up with a game plan. You get access to a team of fertility nurses, a weekly webinar, and their online community of other like-minded women. If you are currently pregnant or breastfeeding, the hormone test will not work for you. You can, of course, take it after this period of time to monitor your hormone health again. And if you are over 45 years old, the modern fertility test will not work either. With that said, if you want to go ahead and order Modern Fertility's at-home kit, you will receive $10 off as a Women's Pelvic Health podcast listener. So go to their website, www.modernfertility.com backslash pelvic health, and make sure you enter the backslash pelvic health in order to receive those $10 off. And I will link this URL in the show notes as well. So I hope that Modern Fertility will help all of you to feel empowered and in charge of your hormonal health and to better understand your amazing body. Today, I am here with a 23-year-old woman named Naomi. Naomi is going to share her journey with pelvic pain She's a listener of the podcast and reached out to me because she felt that openly sharing her story would be a healing experience. I'm so happy you're here today. Naomi came from Boston to come on the podcast and share her story and spend the weekend in New York. Um, So it's really an honor that, you know, I I have created this platform that allows women to share their stories and gives you the voice to talk about what you've gone through. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So do you want to just start by telling us kind of a history of how your symptoms began and what this journey has been like for you? A lot of times when people come on the podcast and talk about their stories, usually I maybe know them previously, or we had talked about what they've been through before, but we really have never, we've spoken for like a few minutes just to organize mm-hmm. this, but I don't, I, I know nothing about you and, and what you've been through, so I'm also really interested to hear everything for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, I think there's a lot of factors in my life that contributed to, to this, because I feel like, in a lot of cases it starts and it seems like it was this one event that causes. It seems like I did this and then this happened and my life is totally changed. But then you look back later and you learn more about all the factors and you see like I was someone who was kind of predisposed to this because of all these things that were already going on in my life. So I think that always I was just I, well, I always had a lot of anxiety. You know, I was in um, therapy and on medication since I was like 14 or 15. And um, I guess just my muscle, like I did dance and my teachers would be like, why are you tensing your whole body? And it was just like n- so normal to me. Like I was always just someone who is on edge and anxious. And I think I'm just like built that way. Um, and I, so I think I had always like a high tone pelvic floor. Like I was always, um, you know. And so, I also always had painful sex, um, and I had a lot of kind of traumatic sexual experiences, so I was always, I didn't have sex that often, and I always felt like, well, this makes sense, like, this is normal for me. Um, I also always had really painful period cramps, um, and I was just like, this is normal, and um, I had a couple UTIs, not not like chronic UTIs or anything, but I did, when I was in fifth grade, I had UTI symptoms that lasted maybe a year. And I um, never ended up going to the doctor for it. My mom was just like, oh, drink cranberry juice. And they probably thought like, oh, you're in fifth grade. It doesn't matter that you have like a UTI. But I remember feeling like UTI symptoms for like a really long time. And I feel like that might've like messed up my body too. But anyway, so then... Um, in So it was October of 2017. Um, I had one event that was really traumatic sexually and I started having symptoms like a week later of Having a UTI, but I knew it wasn't the same as the UTIs that I had like from sex like before once or twice um, It just felt different like, you know when you kind of pee and then you still have to pee so I went to the school health center they, did a t- they said I had some signs of UTI, so they were going to give me antibiotics, but I think it was Bactrim or something. And so they were going to um, test it. So I started taking it. I f- kind of felt better. And then they called me, and they were like, you don't have a UTI. So I was like, great. Um, and I finished the dose, and I stopped taking them. Then I started getting really anxious. Um, my anxiety was just like... At an all time high for whatever reason, and I started convincing myself that I got an STD. So I made an appointment for Planned Parenthood, and I remember on the website when I um, made the appointment, I said I had no symptoms. But then in the weeks leading up to it, I started having all these symptoms. So I was like, it was burning, um, just feeling like I had a UTI, feeling like itchy, you know, like some kind of bladder or in your vagina, in my vagina, but also um It was weird because it was kind of inside and outside like it was kind of a vulva thing But it was really like a urinary thing But it didn't feel like when you have a uti and you pee and it's burning Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like that. It just felt like it was burning all the time So I knew it wasn't like a uti and all my tests were being negative So then I go to the appointment at this time. It's like unbearable But i'm just like not really talking about it, whatever um, i'm like it's probably fine so then it was a really... So you went to this appointment? I went to Planned Parenthood, yeah.
0: And you didn't really tell them I much. told them.
1: I told them what happened, and they did an exam. It was, you know, when you have, like, a doctor who doesn't, who is kind of in a hurry, and, you know, it was Planned Parenthood, they're kind of just like, you know, and they were like, relax. And you're like, I can't, that's my problem, right. you know? And so it was kind of, um, I don't want to, like, overuse the word traumatic, but it was, like, not, it was kind of...
0: You weren't given proper attention. No, and it yeah. was
1: um, invasive. Uh, it was really invasive. And they said, um, we ordered all these tests, but I'm. they were like, I'm 90% sure you have chlamydia. So I was like, okay. And obviously I was like embarrassed and I was like, you know, but I was like, fine, I know. Because right. I knew something was wrong. So then I take the antibiotics and I'm like about to go to my grandparents' house for Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Or not Passover, uh, Thanksgiving, because mm-hmm. it was like November. So then I took the antibiotics, felt horrible, but I was like, okay, it's gone. And oh, and she also gave me more back trim or something because she was like, well, you don't have a UTI, but you have UTI symptoms. And I remember being like, well, I don't want to overuse antibiotics, what... Um, bad could happen if I take them, and she was like, "Oh, you might get a yeast infection. That's the only like bad thing, which is not true." So, um, I still had symptoms, and I so at I this took point them. you were
0: treated. This was the you were on the second round of antibiotics this for th- UTI. This yeah, so I started taking the third, and then so- you were treated for the chlamydia.
1: Yeah. So I had, I think one round of antibiotics, then a round of antibiotics, um, for just like a Z pack for chlamydia and then another random, uh, random antibiotics that didn't work. So they were like, okay, we'll give you more antibiotics. Right. Um, that didn't work. And, and at this point like this I'm is freaking a out
0: journey for a lot of women totally. who have these types of issues. Cause they're
1: keep, they keep saying, "Oh, the tests are all negative. And I was like, well, what does it mean? And they're like, well, you can keep taking more antibiotics or you can make an appointment with someone else.
0: Yeah, I went through something very similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so then I went to um, my regular like gynecologist was actually a midwife, and I knew I really liked her and trusted her. So I went to her, and she said, I don't know what this is. We're doing all the tests again, but... I can tell you I don't think it's something you'll have forever I think you have a lot of shame and you think you messed up your life forever and it's just something in your system got messed up and it's gonna go away and that should have been comforting but it was also like oh my god nobody knows what's wrong with me so I started doing um, one of those like horrible um, benders where you just go online all the time you <laughs>
0: all the like um I was, I was forums. about to jump in front of you and say like yeah. a google rabbit hole
1: <laughs> yeah no a rabbit hole yeah and I would like be up on it I'd be like okay one more forum and then I'm going to bed and I like yeah. couldn't stop like it was addicting and all my friends were like we're taking your laptop and putting a parental control on there like it was really bad
0: because well, I was yeah. yeah you know what's really interesting I interviewed a urologist a few weeks ago and I, listen, yeah. I just listened to that yesterday to that yeah. One, yeah and did you hear what he said about the online forums he's, mm-hmm. this was so interesting which mm-hmm. I mean it makes sense it's kind of common sense but when you have a doctor explain to you why forums are such a bad source of information because he's saying I asked him to make a quick tangent I asked him yeah. because a lot of people ask me and ask their doctors if interstitial like, cystitis yeah, secret
1: infections
0: if, if interstitial cystitis can go away like chronic mm-hmm. bladder pain and frequency and urgency and And he said, yeah, of course it can go away. You know, I have lots of people who come into my office and Mm -hmm. I treat them and they never come back, which means they've been treated properly and their body is healed and they're good to go. But the people who are posting on online forums are not those people. They're the people who aren't getting better, who are in pain, who are online, yeah. writing on forums. He said, the people who get better don't go on forums. They normal carry people, on with their life. No
1: offense, normal people don't go on forums. The people
0: and that I've are, been on forums. We've right. all been on forums. But the but,
1: people writing who are saying, you have to take these antibiotics for a year, and you know doctors believe you, and you have to go to this doctor in England, and you have to, like... Yeah. You know, like... You have to kind of step back and be like, I don't know anything about this person. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their motivation is for saying this. I don't know right. what a doctor has told them. And so I, yeah, and it was scary because I would Google my symptoms and the only thing that could come up was I see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I don't have bladder symptoms. I don't have bladder pain. It doesn't right. sound like this. I don't have flares. I just have constant like urgency and whatever. So I was like, but maybe I do have this. So I started convincing myself of that. So I'm about to go home for winter break at this point, And I'm like a wreck. I'm like staying up all night, not able to sleep. And then I'll sleep 12 hours the next night. And then it was just like, my body was like not, and I couldn't sleep all night because I felt like I had to pee like every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of frequency, um, especially at night, which I still kind of have. Um, so then I Called my mom and I was and my mom was like in Europe when all this was happening So I couldn't talk to her so I was like freaking out so then the second her plane landed I was like mom and she was saying like my dad had a really similar thing happen um, That nobody knew what it was like uh, they thought it was like prostodynia or whatever, but um, He was she was like eventually it was anxiety and went away and I was like well that makes sense because Clearly I knew there was like a correlation between my anxiety. Um and I felt like I was faking all of it because I felt like I like created my symptoms, but I was also like, but it's not anxiety because they're really real. Right. Um, so I go home, I made an appointment with a regular doctor at like my um old doctor from home.
0: I don't want to interrupt you, yeah. But I think it's really funny, not funny, but yeah. interesting. I think it's really yeah. interesting that my dad had similar yeah issues as well he said when he like 20 years ago he had prostatitis mm-hmm. and he was at urologist and he had like frequency and he mm-hmm. was always clenching his pelvic yes. floor and his butt muscles and then he
1: Yes yeah, eventually
0: uh, took muscle relaxers his doctor prescribed him muscle relaxers and the pain went away mm-hmm. but as we were saying before genetics has to play a role into where the area of your body that you yeah. hold stress
1: yes and yeah and, and so, maybe you know
0: you and I are, mm-hmm. are have some sort of predisposition to mm-hmm. holding stress in our pelvic floor
1: because yeah a lot of people hold it in their back or right. in their whatever and that can also be genetic or right or you know just passed down and so I remember I went home for winter break and I um, told him everything and he was saying this happened to him when he was also in college and finally went to a doctor who was like, you know, you're a new immigrant and you're going, you're finishing school and you're looking for jobs. Like it makes sense. Um, And he saw the correlation. um, But that was after he'd been on like months of like Cipro, like like really bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they used to just throw antibiotics at you. And uh, I was like, so how did it get better? And he goes, well, it didn't. (laughs) And he was like, and I just started crying. I was like, oh my God, like I have to live with this forever. And he was like, no, but like your body adjusts to it and it never goes away. But like, he was like, I have seven chronic conditions. Like you're fine. Like you're, it's your body like adjusts to it. And it's not like, oh, I'm cured. But it's like, you don't, you wake up and you don't notice anymore. You don't think about it after a while, like whatever. So I was like, well, even that sounds better than what I'm going through now. I just want to be in a place where I don't think about it. So I went to a doctor and she- A gynecologist? A gynecologist. At first, I went to a regular doctor um, from my place at home just to, like, right. get a referral to a urologist or something. And she said... Because at this point, I hadn't been to, like, a primary care person. Mm-hmm. Um, just women's health places. And she basically was like, this is not a UTI. And I was like, yeah, no duh. Like, I'm giving you all these pages. Like, it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, it's fine. like, And she was like have you ever heard of interstitial cystitis and i was like of course i have like shut up like i like whenever a doctor would say that it would be like oh my god so i went to a urology nurse practitioner and she was amazing and she and at this point i'd convinced myself from the internet that i had all these like i had like a infection that like wasn't going to be picked up on normal tests whatever and so she tested me for all that stuff but she was like asking me a lot of questions about like my trauma and like my pain during sex and all this stuff and she was like you should and my anxiety and she was saying you should see a um, pelvic floor PT Um, and she ordered all these um, like a I had like an ultrasound and intervaginal ultrasound which was like extremely painful and horrible and they didn't find anything um and, um, abnormal. So she gave me um overactive bladder medication mm-hmm. that didn't do anything. It made me have to pee more, I feel like. I took it a w- bunch of yeah. those
0: medications that didn't work. Or it either.
1: made me feel like I had to pee, but then I couldn't, couldn't pee, pee when I. I yeah, which was like the opposite problem. of my problem. I was like, I know I don't have overactive bladder. <laughs> like at this point, and it was so expensive. And
0: then you would try and pee, and you'd be like, this is weird. I'm sitting on the toilet for ten minutes and I can't. And I get already urine was having out. that problem. Yeah. Because
1: I already like my bladder was not full, but I just felt like I had to pee all the time. Yeah. So it was like this is the last thing I need. So I stopped taking those. So then um Finally, they're like, Oh, you were positive for this, like bacteria or whatever. So I'm like, That's it. So I went on more antibiotics. Me too? Yeah. So I was like, I'm cured because the internet, like somebody said Mm -hmm. that this happened. And then they were cured after like two weeks of antibiotics or whatever. So at this point, I go back to school feeling super hopeful. And on the plane on the way back, I start having symptoms again. I was like, Oh my God, what happened? You were
0: feeling better. I was feeling better for like a
1: week. But I think. A, placebo. Yeah. B, I was at the beginning of my period and I always feel like on my period it feels better because mm-hmm. my muscles are more relaxed, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a lot. People are like, oh, it must be so bad on your period.
0: That it's is like I have horrible
1: cramps, but my um, – and like my vagina will hurt, but like my bladder symptoms are way better on my period. Interesting. Yeah. And so then – Um, I think it was something about that, but then the stress of probably being on the airplane It was Mm -hmm. like you're right back to where you started And so I was so depressed going back to school being like i'm still in this like I haven't figured it out And I thought I did and I had this like freedom ripped away from me whatever so then I'm back at school I go to like so I call my um urologist practitioner and I'm like well I felt completely better but now I feel bad again and she was like well maybe you have a real UTI which I was like I don't but whatever she was like go get a culture right now so I went to the health center and I got really lucky and I had this guy who actually was that um he was like partners with the doctor who I've seen before um, in Massachusetts as a primary care person and he really knew what he was talking about and he was like I don't have a problem with prescribing you more antibiotics if you're really worried about that but this is probably not an infection it's probably interstitial cystitis and he was like we're going to figure it out it's going to get better and he was the first person who I really felt like, okay, he knows what he's doing. He knows, like, what he was telling me about possible treatments. And I was, like, really hopeful. And at this point, I was like, well, maybe I do have IC, but it's fine. Like, I can be okay with, I just need to know. Right. You know, so that I can do, like, I'll try the diet, I'll try whatever. But I want to know, and I um, had felt, I'd been feeling so, like, like, Shameful and, like, mad at myself because I was, like, this one thing I did. It's, mm, like, I, God I, punishing I, yeah. me. Yeah. And, like, I caused it, and now I have this... Like, the worst thing was having IC not because of, like, the symptoms at all, but because, like, if now it's going to last forever, and it's and because of me. if you had me. done
0: something differently, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I think the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But isn't it such, such a good feeling to see a doctor who tells you wholeheartedly we're going to figure this out and you are going to get better you have to be patient you're not going to get better tomorrow morning but yes we're going to work this out right and i remember when i found my current gynecologist Mm -hmm. she was just so optimistic and had such a progressive mindset and so much hope. And some people would say, mm-hmm. oh, it's not good to be so optimistic. But for me, I was like, that's what I need. I need a doctor who's going to be optimistic. Exactly. And who's going to tell me, if this doesn't make me better, there's 10 other things we can try and one of them will.
1: Because there's nothing worse than a doctor looking at you and being like, I don't know what it is. Or right. like oh, you're, you're, like, lucky you. All your tests are, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, that, it's not, like, I got so many calls that were, like, it's not an infection. Yay. It's, like, no, you don't understand. You're not listening. Mm-hmm. I want it to be an STD, you know, mm-hmm. at this point. And so, like, he made me feel a lot more um, confident that maybe this is IC, but then at least I'll have a diagnosis. So I went and saw him again. They did a pelvic exam, and it was this other woman did it, and she... I guess she was, like, a doctor, but not my usual doctor. And what really, like, shocked her was how, like, out of tune with my body. was. She was like, it hurts here. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, this is this part of you. And I, like, had no idea. And, like, logically, I'm like, these are the parts of the vagina. But I was always so, like, growing up, I was so, Mm -hmm. like, I don't ever want to look at it. I never put in a tampon. I always had this fear of, like, things going up there. And I feel like that also contributed a lot, like, that, like, clenching, that, like, fear. And so then... She was like, uh, and then the doctor was like, oh, well, this doesn't sound like I C. it could be any number of things It could be um, vulvodynia. It could be blah 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 And I was like, oh my god at this point I wanted it to be I C. because you seem so sure like now i'm bummed again And I was so upset and he was like we're gonna figure it out And so he referred me to the um, this was at umass medical um in worcester and they're really good And so he referred me to um urologist the urologist I he wanted me to see a urologist that specialized in women's issues like this. And then I called them and they were like, "Well, she doesn't really deal with this kind of thing, but you can go see this other woman, but she specializes in like men." So I was like, "Whatever, like I'll go to her." Um and her name's Dr. Katherine Rocker at UMass Medical and she was amazing and she like read through all my history and she was like, I'm so sorry that this happened to you and was like so empathetic and she was like I can retest you for this like infection you thought you had but I see this all the time in men and she was like just like people carry anxiety in like their shoulder or their back like people carry it in their pelvic muscles and it's really normal and I was like well, yeah, I must have convinced myself that I had these symptoms and I put it on myself. And she was like, no, you didn't make yourself have these symptoms. It's just where your body is carrying that anxiety. Um, And so she was like, what I've seen work all the time for this is physical therapy. So she referred me to a physical therapist and I got in like that week. Um, And at first it was like really, really hard. But I was like very dedicated because I really wanted it to be gone so at first it was like she was kind of like I don't know what's wrong with you like and my physical therapist was really good but she was never someone who was like diagnosing me or telling me like this is the issue we were kind of just like trial and erroring it Mm. and I she did like biofeedback the first time and what like really shocked me was that I had really weak pelvic floor muscles Mm because I thought like oh they would be really strong right but I feel like, I actually realized this last night. I feel like when I, um, like, hold in my pee, I'm not holding my, like, pelvic floor muscles. It's, like, my, like, upper thighs. It's, like, the wrong muscles. Like, I feel like those are the muscles that are, like, the trigger points. Right. It's, like, places where it shouldn't be mm-hmm. tense, you yeah. know? So, um, I kept going to physical therapy. I went for maybe five months. Um, Can I ask you yeah, a question? Yeah, yeah.
0: Because didn't the, one of the first or one of the earlier urologists you went to recommended pelvic floor yes. physical therapy? So how come you didn't go at first when she had recommended that?
1: I was kind of like, because at that point I was in Seattle, I was kind of like, yeah, maybe in Boston I'll like do that. I'll right. look into it. And then I kind of got, I feel like I had to start back to square one again. Mm-hmm. when I And I felt like nobody else is suggesting that. I'm sure it's this infection, blah, blah, right. blah. And I kind of wanted to do it, but it wasn't until, like, having a second person who was, like, a real urologist and, like, understood the, like, anxiety connection, but was also, like, here's the referral for right
0: now. Mm -hmm. I feel like
1: that was, like, oh, okay, I'll do it.
0: I also think that pelvic floor physical therapy, actually, I know that it's not something that anyone talks about. So you probably had Mm -hmm. never heard of it. Similar to my experience, yeah. one of the earlier, earlier gynecologists I went to when I first started mm-hmm. developing all of these symptoms, she actually had told me I should go to pelvic floor physical mm-hmm. therapy, but she wasn't, her expertise wasn't in vulvodynia or pelvic floor mm-hmm. dysfunction. She was just a very standard OBGYN. She was yeah. super nice and smart. But I kind of brushed it off because yes. I was like, what is that? I've never heard of it. And it
1: also sounds like that would help, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: want... And it's time consuming. Yeah. And I was already in physical therapy for my foot at the time. And I was just... It's like, another appointment. Right. It's
1: another copay. Right. You know, I'm, in, I'm working at this point. I also... I'm a teacher. I'm a preschool teacher. So you can't really get a bathroom break unless right. you, like, can get a bathroom break. And so I feel like that really caused a lot of my issues too because I would have to hold it for like six hours and then when you get the chance you go whenever mm-hmm. so everyone's like oh just go whenever you can but that's not good for your bladder so yeah. that's you know an issue I'm having now that I do that full time too right but
0: and the second gynecologist, yeah. well not the second but a few gynecologists mm-hmm. later um finally to- again told me about pelvic floor physical therapy and-, and I had not been feeling well now for many more months and I finally then was like when you're
1: desperate enough, when you're, you're desperate like I'll try enough. Yeah. anything and because then, at first uh-huh. you want it sorry no, no at first you want it to be oh I just need to take this pill I just you right. keep believing I didn't have this before I just need to take this one thing and then I'm cured and it's not something that like it can't be something that's chronic like that can't be the answer that I have to do this for like a year but then you start running out of those options and you're like Okay, I believe you now that it's chronic, I'll do whatever it takes in, then you're
0: motivated, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So she sends you to this this PT?
1: Yeah. And I at first it was like I was really mo she kept being like, Oh, we can stop and I was like, you know, do it. Like I was so motivated, but she was like this is going to take a long time like your body like she could not put more than like the tip of her finger in there Mm -hmm. like it was like closed for business like it was like (laughs) you know and so um they really all the doctors and stuff were like you're gonna have to do like PT like homework at home but like we know you're not gonna do that because like knowing my issues but then I like did it because I was so motivated I tried to do all the exercises and stuff and we actually like saw progress really fast and it's like when every day you don't realize how much better you're getting day to day but then i guess um maybe three months later she did like a check-in and it was so much better than
0: it was before Have um, you been seeing her every week throughout this time
1: in the beginning it wasn't that often because she was really booked up which was right. another issue is she was like the only public floor pt in like my whole area I'm the only one at that hospital, so it was really hard to get an appointment. But then it started being every week or every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing, sh- I feel like the more than the internal stretches, the external stretches were really good for me because I feel like I hold a lot of that tension and anxiety in like my hips and my thighs. Me and I too. feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of it comes from that because it's like referred pain. Me too. Yeah. So I was doing that and I was also less anxious about it because I feel like I had answers So I wasn't going on the internet anymore. I was sleeping again, you know And I still felt like I had to pee all the time at night But I could kind of make myself hold it in and then I'd go to sleep so Yeah months go by and I'm feeling a lot better. I also was doing I tried to do like the IC diet, which I Think is kind of stupid. I think it's like I don't know. Um i just feel like i was so desperate to try anything but it's like there's no reason for me to not eat like an orange um but i think cutting out i cut out alcohol for like months and that helped a lot i cut out caffeine yeah i feel like those make sense Mm -hmm. i feel like alcohol is a big one yeah um But now I'm cutting. Then I over the summer started drinking again. But now I'm like I'm sober. Like I'm tired of like the full body hangover. Yeah, I feel the same
0: way. It's not a good feeling, and it definitely flares up the bladder. Yeah,
1: and it also just flares your anxiety. I think, which is why for me it's like, not, worth it. Um,
0: I'm totally in agreement with that about myself. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but that's pretty much the story. I also found. I guess the beginning of the summer, I was like, okay, I'm out of the, like, I'm out of, um, school and things aren't as stressful, so I'll focus more on getting better, and I, um, found the book A Headache in the Pelvis, Mm -hmm. um, and I read that, and that, like, changed my whole life, because I was, like, I can clearly see the connection between anxiety, and then I had no more suspicion that it was an infection, because this whole time I was doing PT and seeing my doctor's, in the back of my head, I was like, but I know it's an infection, you know, but it it
0: really feels like it feels like
1: it. It feels just like it. And everyone you tell is like, well, those are UTI symptoms. That sounds like you just have a UTI and it does. And so you, and you, everything you read online is like, then I had this infection and it's like, um, it's hard to like know what to believe. Um, so finding that book really helped because basically the two things that work, um, are like, uh, finding your trigger points and doing like PT work on yourself, but then also meditating. Internal or
0: external? Both. So uh-huh. you do like
1: the external stretches, but then it's also like finding your trigger points, which for me, I feel like most of my trigger points are like external. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I still try to do PT. I feel like whenever I do it, it starts my period which does that has ever happened to you no, i feel like i'll don't do know. it i don't think so and then my period will start interesting yeah so i don't know what's going on there but i <laughs> i should do it more mm-hmm. um but it's hard to tell sometimes if it makes it better
0: or worse yeah same with me yeah
1: like it's like is it oh just getting worse before it gets better or is it just feels like oh this is what i should be doing but i feel like for me The biggest thing to keep getting better is going to be meditating more and like changing the response of my body to like hold all this tension and hold all this emotion there and like recognizing that um because I feel like before I would just live a really stressful life and be really anxious but not I feel like it's I needed that physical reminder of like stop yeah so
0: it all makes really perfect sense and I think, you know, the physical reminder, as unfortunate as it is, it makes you much more aware of your body and mm-hmm. your mind and how you actually have to learn to control mm-hmm. your thoughts and yeah. to realize where your thoughts manifest in your body. and. Mm-hmm. I want to get into meditation it's really hard to do but I'm determined to do it it's a big
1: time commitment because even in the book they say like well you need to do this for like four hours a day and it's like okay in the headache
0: in the pelvis yeah
1: Well, because the psychologist who... It's a psychologist and a Mm urologist. The psychologist, I think he had it for like 20 years and then he fixed it completely. He reversed it when he was like retired. So it's like, okay, if I had like even a summer off and I actually dedicated my life to doing this, but who can really do that? So I think it's like just starting where you are and being like, okay, I'm, just knowing what I need to do to get better and knowing what it is has made it so much better. Like, I have days where I don't think about it at all. Like, right. and I never have... Um, I still have pain. Like, I still would have pain during sex and stuff, but I don't have the symptom of, like, I pee and then I feel like I still have to pee, like, all the time. And I feel like that was the worst symptom. Like, it's unbearable. And I feel like... I'll, I'll think about it and i'll get really down on myself and i'll be like it's a year and a half and it's still horrible i still have all the i still have pain i still have all the vulvodynia symptoms but then i think of like how unbearable it was before and like i don't feel that way anymore i don't think about it that much like it's way better it's just hard to measure mm-hmm. because it's like day to day you don't realize that you're it's getting better it's
0: extremely hard to measure
1: and i don't know if it's all the things I'm doing or if it's just time because everybody like everyone in my family everyone was telling me you just have to wait it out it'll just get better on its own which I was like how but I feel like you know the big thing and um a headache in the pelvis that really stuck with me is like the body can heal itself under the right conditions so your body is going to heal itself from whatever you have you just have to also not be doing things to trigger that cycle of pain and making yourself more stressed out or doing all these things that were causing it and then it will heal by itself if you let it chill. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, you have to allow it to. You have to give your body the power to heal.
1: And you have to believe that that's going to happen, not to get all like law of attraction, but if you are like, well, I'm never going to get better and you just have a really, which is like everyone in those forums and it's really easy to like, play into that and be like, I need someone else to help me. It's never going to get better, whatever. People get stuff like this all the time, and they're just people who think like, oh, it's annoying. It's going to go away, whatever, and they don't think about it, and it just gets better, you know? And I feel like um, you just have to think of it that way, and it will get better.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. And if you had to think of one or two things that you've learned throughout this experience. Mm-hmm. What's something that you can share that you have learned that's really helped you or that you think mm-hmm. is important for everyone else to hear?
1: Yeah I mean I have two main ones I think I've learned from this. Um, standing up for myself. For doc, I used to be so scared of doing it at a doctor and I Um, I feel like I used to be so scared to call anyone and now I feel like I had to get so it was like exposure therapy, like I had to get so good at like advocating for myself and now I feel like go even just going to the dentist or going like I feel like I have the tools to advocate for myself and say no I want this and keep calling and that's really hard to learn but I feel like when you go through a health thing you have to learn how to do that and take care of yourself and it feels really good to be confident and mm-hmm. know how to go in and talk to the nurses and talk to the doctor and not feel like i'm this passive part of this system to feel like you're working to help me and right. you are going to listen to me and if you're not i'm gonna find someone else and having to find like seven do- i don't know why i'd have to go back and count how many people i saw but i know now to listen to when i feel comfortable with someone and when i feel like they believe me and when i feel like they know what they're doing and i feel like that is an invaluable lesson that if this hadn't happened i might i probably would have learned it later but now i can go through the rest of my life and whatever problems i have having those skills
0: mm, yeah
1: so i think that's important and then i also really important yeah
0: and you know the feeling like when you walk into a doctor's office as we touched on earlier but Mm-hmm. For example, my gynecologist in the city, shout out to Dr. Gina yeah. Harris. She's a legend. Yeah. Um, but I remember I walked into her office for the first time after I had seen another gynecologist for a few months who started to get me on the right track. Mm-hmm. But we weren't seeing eye to on, eye on a few things. Mm-hmm. And I walked into Dr. Harris's office and I liter- it was like a, a Full body experience yeah. of just being like, you know, like your oh body knows. Oh my god, yeah. I am in love with you. Yeah. You. That's how I was like, oh my god, I have a crush on this urologist. Yeah. Like, I love her. Like, you,
1: you just have so much know. In that.
0: Yeah, you really know when you are aligned with the right doctor and you find mm-hmm. a doctor that you guys see eye to eye and that makes you, you're supposed to have a doctor who makes you feel. Mm-hmm empowered and who makes you feel like your body is capable of getting better and they're going to help you and and if you a don't can't speak up for yourself and b don't feel like you're in the right doctor's office you have to make the decision to move on to another doctor
1: and it's probably easier to just stay and be like okay but then you're not going to end up taking their advice you're not going to end up getting better Mm -hmm. and it it's really resource intensive to and at this at the time this was happening I was still on my parents insurance and I had really good insurance so I know that I'm really privileged to be able to be like I can find a doctor and I will have to wait a long time but they'll probably be able to help me um but now that's not always the case but I feel like if you can have like it is really resource intensive but it's so worth it when you find the right person and yeah, you know when you're being listened to and you know when it's the right person and it's, oh my god, like, the your mood going into the office and then going out, mm-hmm. it's like, changes your whole...
0: 1000 And people thousand don't get, people percent. who don't
1: have, like, chronic illness, thing, like, they will never get that, like...
0: A thousand percent yeah. I exactly I leave dr. Harris's office I'm always in a good mood when I leave so and I'm happy yeah how amazing is that you don't yeah. feel well you're going to the doctor and you leave yeah. happy because yeah. that doctor makes you feel so good and yeah. so optimistic and
1: yeah
0: it's an irreplaceable feeling and I, I think that that's just an amazing point that you made and I really want everyone listening to know that if you aren't happy with mm-hmm. the doctor that you're currently seeing move on because there are so many doctors and it's so important to find one that you connect with
1: um and then I think the other lesson I really learned is just to take care of my body and I feel like I've I feel like this really needed to happen for me and I would never say to anyone else like this happened for a reason and this is changing your ways and whatever but I do feel like for me it was a big part of me growing up because I did a lot of things that were Stupid to my body, and I um, had, like, an eating disorder in the past. I would smoke cigarettes sometimes. Like, I would not be respectful to my body, and then as soon as this happened, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is what it really feels like to have, like, a health issue, and I never want to do this. Again, I want to be healthy, and I want to live, and I want to take care of my body, and now I um, am... I wouldn't say I'm, like, a health freak, but I'm just more value taking care of myself and taking time to like meditate or go to acupuncture or like go to sleep or stuff like not drink like things like that where it's like I think in especially in like when you're a teenager obviously but like the beginning of college it's really cool to like not care and it's cool to care when you realize like there are consequences to not living with your like body and mind and I think that when you make that connection um I think sometimes you have to get kind of scared straight and be like I'm gonna change my ways I'm going to speak up for myself um and do things that I know are healthy for me because I know that it's worth it and I know now how grateful I have to be of like feeling good
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. You really learn to value your body and mm-hmm. what it's capable of, and how important it is. Mm-hmm. Someone in another podcast episode, she was sharing her story, and this will I'll always remember this quote. But she said, "You only have one body," mm-hmm. which seems so obvious, but it's so true, and you don't think about it. It's your yeah. body. Because when these and issues, you have to yeah. take care of it.
1: And when these issues start, and you're like in that internet rabbit hole spiral, and you're so depressed about it you keep thinking back and being like why didn't I appreciate it when I just had a cold before when that like you're like I'm you know and I have to remind myself now like be grateful because you think when you're and they talk about this in the headache and the pelvis but when you're when this is happening you're like oh my god if I get through this I'll never be anxious again because I'm going to know that it causes and I'm going to have it so much better I'll never be anxious about anything but obviously that's not true you're going to still have issues but I think it's important to remind myself like it's not that bad anymore I have to be so grateful every day because there was a time where I was like my only wish in life was like to get to the point that I'm at now and there were days in the beginning where I felt okay and I was like I could deal with feeling like this for the rest of my life and I would still be grateful that it wasn't so bad and there's probably gonna be a time in like 10 years where something else is wrong with me and I'll be like I had it so good then and so just yeah being um like realizing that we're not immortal and and that's something my dad said to me that I'll never forget when he was telling me um what he went through is like it's scary when you go to the doctor and you realize for the first time that they're human and they're not gods and they don't know what they're talking about and that you're not immortal, and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna die someday, and you're, when you go through something so young, you're like, oh my god, my body is, like, important, but it's so good to learn that so early, because then you learn, and you don't make those mistakes again, so I do think for me, it happened for a reason, or, you know, even if people don't believe that, it's like, I'm such a different person, I learned so much from it, and I, Wouldn't take that back. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel the same way. Yeah. And it's so incredible because you know, on the days where I feel good, which I think similar similarly to you, you've had a lot more of those. Yeah, more good days than bad. Right. And you wake up on those days. I know I do, and I seriously think to myself, "Oh my God, I love, I I love my body. Like, thank you, thank you. I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful for this body. I'm so happy. I'm so fortunate." Mm -hmm. Feeling good is such a gift. And if you've yeah. never experienced not feeling good, you don't appreciate yeah, your you body. Feel good. Yeah, And it's such an empowering thing to be able to appreciate your body. Yeah. And
1: you kind of have to learn it the hard way.
0: Unfortunately. Yeah. And another question that I want to ask you because you're obviously open now about sharing... All that you've been through were you open from the beginning or did it take you time to get to this place
1: I think with my friends I was really open because I couldn't not talk about it like I was like talking about it obsessively I was talking to my mom and my friends and being like I don't know what to do here's everything that's happening whatever but I was always so uncomfortable talking about like my body and that area and I was holding so much negative energy in that area which I think also contributed to it but I think it was a gradual process I do think I'm way more open like I haven't told this full story to anyone in a while because when I meet someone new I don't want to like go through it again but the people that were around me when it happened kind of heard the whole thing because I couldn't stop talking about it same with me yeah (laughs) it's because you need that reassurance and I feel so bad for them like I feel like I burden them so much because it's like you just need constant reassurance And I didn't want anyone to even like empathize or sympathize with me and be like, oh my God, that sucks. I wanted people to be like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Like, or like, I went through a similar thing and it's fine. And like, I really needed that because I was so like hopeless.
0: I assume time is something that allows you also to kind of come to terms and being comfortable with talking about everything. But now you've gotten to a place where you were really ready to. Share their story and talk about it. Come on the podcast and mm-hmm. and be very open about it. And was that just a matter of time, or what? What was it? A
1: lot of it was time. Um, I started going back to therapy when this was happening, and I didn't. I still didn't feel that comfortable talking about it. And now with my new therapist, I'm comfortable telling about it because I I do feel like it's time. I feel like I'm not like in it anymore I feel more far removed from it where it's not as like personal it doesn't feel like when I talk about the doctor's appointment stuff it's still like hard but it doesn't feel like it's happening right now it's not as like I'm not in it anymore which is like I guess that means I've gotten better because I can just be like you know and I feel like I've accepted a lot because at first when I thought like it's my fault and if I didn't do this and if I didn't do this um, I had so much shame about it and it was so hard for me to talk about because I was just like so down on myself and I think it just took me not only time but just learn. I think reading a headache in the pelvis more reading more about like how common this is and about pelvic pain and what actually causes it and like how it's just like something you're kind of predisposed to since you're little based on just how you hold your body I think that's helped me accept it because it isn't that the symptoms are even that bad it's like the catastrophic thinking of like Mm, I caused this and once I was able to kind of accept why it happened or that I would never know exactly why it happened or how it happened and that this is just like my lot in life and there's stuff I can do about it I think that acceptance and like forgiving myself I think has made me able to talk about it because it's not so like I'm gonna have a breakdown every time I talk about it um But I also do still feel like I don't want to be a burden telling people a whole sob story because it is, like, I want to be, like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I I do think I downplay it sometimes, especially to, like, new people. I'm just, like, oh, it's fine. But it's, like, you know, I think if I do tell people this story, they're, like, wow, that's a lot. (laughs) But, you know, you kind of, to be a normal person, you kind of have to just not talk about it and pretend it's
0: not there sometimes which sucks but I also always think and my dad actually says this a lot to me mm-hmm. that everyone has something mm-hmm. you think you're the only when you're going through mm-hmm. something you think you're the only person who has a problem yeah and you're like no one knows the pain I have right like, yeah and it's like everyone has something you know yeah. you think when you have to explain that you have pelvic pain to a guy or yeah. anything that comes along with having pelvic pain. You're like, yeah. but I'm the only person in the world who
1: yeah.
0: who has to, to live like this or who has to yeah. deal with something. But it's not yeah. true. Everyone. Yeah. And when you start talking about it, you realize that. Everyone has something. It's just and, your cross to bear. Right. Like, and this is your thing. This is our thing. And, and, and owning we, that. Right. Yeah. Owning it and, and believing that. You're gonna get through it, and it's gonna go away. And if you take care of your body, and you're you're gonna come out stronger. And you're gonna come on, come out on the other side. And you're gonna come out stronger from it. And I really, I, I believe that.
1: Right, and I think what hit home with me for, hit home. How to, whatever you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, what really made that hit home was I you know, I I visited my friend last year for spring break and I hadn't seen her in a long time and I hadn't told her what was going on, but I was like, I'm not drinking caffeine anymore. I brought you all this tea if you want it. And she was saying, well, I'm on this diet where I can't have caffeine and I can't have citrus and I can't have all these things. And I was like, oh my God, like I have this vagina issue. And I told her the whole story and she was like, well, I have this medical mystery too where my throat keeps hurting and they don't know what it is. And they've like, I've gotten all these doctors and it's just like this thing where they just put me on this diet, whatever. And she was, like, well, obviously, that's not, like, as bad as yours. Like, I don't want to, like, compare. And I was, like, no, it's so helpful to just talk to someone who's also, like, just going through something of, like, I don't know what this is. And this is really annoying. And I'm going to all these doctors. And I have, I can't have caffeine. And, like, it it really made me realize, like, this happens all the time just in different forms. And, like, it sucks when it's in your vagina. And it affects, like, sexuality. And it affects going to the bathroom, like, all these things, it's a really annoying place to have it. But it's also, like, I've never broken a bone. Like, there's stuff that I haven't had to go through. Yeah, Yeah. it's just, like, that's our thing. And a lot more people have it than you think. So it's, like, that's a lot of people's thing.
0: Are there any other ways that your therapist has helped you navigate this, that kind of stand out to you right now?
1: She's really good at... um,
0: Because I think therapy is a big part of yeah. the healing for
1: me because I have that like catastrophic thinking mm. tendency that's always been for me she's really good at just stopping me when I'm talking and being like oh like I'll be like I should have done this I should have gone to this doctor I should have she'll be like that's a lot of shoulds like mm-hmm. you know so she's very um Buddhist and she's very into like uh Thich Nhat Hanh, I think that's how you say it it's like kind of um like mindfulness technique and philosophy and she's she just stops me if I talk about the future if I talk about like um you know blaming myself or anything she's really just into like accepting what it is and she's taught me a lot of um meditation techniques I I do a lot of like yoga nidra like um, body scan type meditations and just being present in your own body and she this, does, this kind of does apply, because I was talking about being so stressed out about work, which also always affects my pelvic issues, but she was saying, like, it doesn't matter if other people think you're perfect, it matters that you have a good day. So you have to just do whatever you do to have a good day. It doesn't matter if people see you as being vulnerable or needing help or whatever. It doesn't. It just matters. And because even I feel that way sometimes calling so much. I mean, like, hi, can I have a bathroom break? Because I'm in the classroom alone with all these preschoolers. I feel like, oh, I can only call like once a day or like I have to time it this way so that it's not annoying. But it's like it is what it is. I'm going to take care of my body and it just matters that I have a good day. Um, so I think that's been really helpful.
0: You have to put yourself first at the end of the day.
1: Totally. And nobody would blame, nobody knowing what's going on would blame you. And I think no. like setting boundaries also and saying no to like friends that are draining of your energy. I remember when I uh, I was going back to school and I was saying to my mom like, well, at least if it's IC that I have an excuse to get out of things I don't <laughs> want to do because I'll be like, oh, I, ha-, you know, because I used it to get out of school clubs and all this stuff. And she was like, Well, that's a cop-out. You just should never do anything you don't want to do. And I was like, what? Like, I don't live my life. But it's true. Like, if something's that draining for me that I can't do it if I'm having, like, a flare, I probably didn't want to do it anyway. And I don't have to... You don't have to wait to, like, be dying. To have to, an
0: excuse to... to because do it's like a school
1: club. Like, right. why do I have to feel pressured to do this? Literally, nobody cares and it doesn't matter. But it's just like, I don't want to stand up for myself and say, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. or I don't want to go out tonight or whatever. And you don't have to wait for something like that. And so now I feel more... And it is hard. Like, I, when I stopped drinking the first time because of this, I would still have friends not understand or they'd still call me and invite me to parties and stuff and I'd have to put my foot down and be like you know or, or I'd say like I have to go to bed by 10 30 and wake up by seven thirty. that's when my body feels great and I had friends be like oh well I'm gonna still you know like you're not gonna do that and it's like no if you respect me then you have to respect those boundaries of like I need to put myself first and everybody should be that way and you shouldn't have to wait until you have this excuse because most of the things we feel like we have to do we don't have to do but I'm not practicing what I preach because I still <laughs> I still struggle with that a lot yeah but,
0: but it's a it's always a work in progress but mm-hmm. I think just being able to realize it mm-hmm. and acknowledge it and understand it is mm-hmm. the most important yeah and I am totally in the same page where most of the time you can set boundaries and then sometimes, it's hard harder to, but knowing what's best for you and your body is really mm-hmm. what's most helpful at the end of the day. And so if 80% mm-hmm. of the time you're on top of everything and yeah. 20% of the time you're not, that's also just being human.
1: Exactly. And it's okay to, like, not – I'm trying not to, like, blame myself when I – backslide and feel bad again because I feel like at first I would feel better for a few days and then I would be like oh my god what did I do I drank this kind of tea I went to bed late I had a beer like I would like find what I thought like was what caused it and I would be like I ruined my life again I never learned but it's like it literally is random and it's just like you never know you never know what is going to cause it so it's kind of just you learn every time as you go and you can't I'm way better now about beating myself up about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I have days where I even wake up and I'm, like, I love this, like, pelvic pain. Like, I love that this is, like, my thing. Because even though it sucks, it's, like, I am so in tune with my body. I've learned all this stuff. Like, why would I waste my time, like, hating that this is happening to me? 100%. Um, Yeah. Like, you just have to... Like, I think part of loving your body is loving that like this is what happened to you mm-hmm. and that this is what's wrong with you because it also has taught me so much and like it's not that bad like you know nothing's ever that bad you just have to find the tools to deal with it
0: thank you so much for, yeah, for sharing you. all of what you've been through the past few years and just being so vulnerable and open about your story that in itself I think I know helps so many women Mm and people listening and I think that it's really really amazing when you're able to get to a place where you can talk about your life in such an open way Mm -hmm. so thank you for being here and talking about all of all of what you've been through and how you've really figured out how to heal your body
1: thank you so much thank you for having me yeah
0: and if anyone wants to contact you can they
1: yes they can um dm me on instagram um my instagram is grow where you planted like g-r-o-w-y-a well, where? <laughs> Just kidding. I'll link. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you'll link it. I'll link it. Yeah. Um, but grow where ya planted. Like instead of ya, instead of your. Um, and yeah. So I would. Yeah, I would love to hear from you guys.
0: Amazing. Thank you yeah, again. Thank
1: you.